hope you will uh, join me in Jeremiah 12. We'll study right there for the most part this morning. I'm, I am uh, honored to uh, be able to be with you today, to study with you, to worship with you. And I'm looking forward to our, uh, the next few minutes. Enjoyed our worship already and look forward to the next few minutes uh, today as well. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we welcome you again. Glad that you're here. You probably wrestled with all of us. All of us have wrestled with the question that's in our, in our text. We already read it together a bit ago, but this, this question, why does the way of the wicked prosper? You know, I mean, the, it's a tough question, and Jeremiah is really struggling with it. A lot of times, when you see the title of the lesson today, a lot of times we consider the question, why do bad things happen to good people? In fact, I think, I think these are two of the questions that really make us struggle as believers. Why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, you look around you, and maybe you experience this in your own life. I'm trying to, trying to serve God. I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to be a Christian. And yet God just keeps letting all this stuff happen. Or you look at somebody else's life and you think, man, that person's really trying to do right. And, and, and yet bad things just keep piling up. So why do bad things happen to good people is a, a pretty, pretty tough thing. You look at the world around you and you see all this happening. But the, but the other question is, very similar to it, but, but different in, in a significant way, and that's the one we're going to look at today. Why do good things happen to bad people? You look around you and you see that sometimes it seems as if the people who are committing the most egregious sins are the people who climb the highest. They, things seem to go well for them. You ever wrestle with that? I mean, it seems like you know, they, don't get, they don't have the same struggles that we have. They, uh, you know, the, the person at school who just treats everybody awfully, is arrogant, whatever, it just seems like everything goes well for him or her. At work, the person who uses other people as stepladders to climb the corporate ladder, then it just seems like their, their lives are just blessed. So maybe you've wrestled with that in some way. Maybe it's you look at it in the world and you see some of the people who are, who are blessed the most financially are also some of the worst people at times, and it's, it's a difficult thing. Now, our text in Jeremiah is, it just goes to show you that Human nature hasn't changed a whole lot. People have been struggling with this since the beginning of time. And I think the book of Job, for example, Job answers that, or not, doesn't really answer, but Job explores that question of why do bad things happen to good people. Job was a righteous man, walked with the Lord, bad things happened to him. He didn't ever really understand exactly why. But in our text today, we consider the opposite of that, and that is why do good things happen to bad people. This is what Jeremiah is dealing with. Now, let me, um, let me spend a couple minutes talking to you about what's going on in our text, all right? What's going on here in Jeremiah 12? Here's the thing. There are... Uh, let me back up before I say that. In the book of Jeremiah, just to, so, so you know where we are as far as the Bible is concerned, Jeremiah preached about the time of the fall of the southern kingdom of Judah. This is in the Old Testament, they had been a nation for hundreds of years, the northern kingdom had been taken away into captivity by Assyria because of their wickedness. God punished them. Judah had existed as a separate nation, small nation, for another 130 years or so. But things had gotten increasingly worse there. They had rebelled against God and all this had happened. So God had kept warning them time and again, look, you know what happened to your brothers in the north? It's going to happen to you too if you don't straighten up, if you don't repent and keep the covenant. So Jeremiah comes along at the time where these, it's getting to the point where God is saying, look, you're going to be punished. In fact, it's, 
You've done irreparable damage. This is uh, irrevocable. It's going to happen. And Jeremiah is preaching that message. He's saying, look, Babylon's coming against you. God's going to send Babylon against you, and things are going to get really bad. And you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. So that's the time where Jeremiah is, is preaching. That's not a good message. If I got up here every week and I said, you're, you know, you guys are awful. And, and things aren't going to get any worse. And, and you're just getting worse and worse. And within the year, God's going to, he's going to punish all of you terribly. And then I got up the next Sunday and I preached the same message. You know what I said last week? I still agree with it. You people are awful, and, and it's going to get worse, and God's going to do awful things to you because of your rebellion. Well, you can imagine how that went over with Judah. They didn't like Jeremiah. In fact, they didn't like him at all, especially when you consider the fact that they weren't good people, not most of them at this time. They weren't really trying to walk with the Lord. And, and so for somebody to get up and preach to you week after week after week about what you're doing that's wrong, and you know at some level that it's wrong, but you don't want to change, and you don't like the person telling you that. That's simplifying it too much maybe but that's what's going on with Jeremiah all right now so what happens is between chapter 10 and chapter 20 you have a whole bunch of con sometimes called the confessions of Jeremiah confessions of Jeremiah that's kind of a polite way of putting it you read some of these and we're going to read one of them today and there are several of these in the in the book of Jeremiah it's polite to call them confessions you might more accurately call them complaints or you know the bible word is laments confession, I don't know, I don't like that word as much because I don't think it, it didn't reflect what Jeremiah's doing. He's complaining. He's saying, look, God, what in the world? Look at how these people are treating me. Why are you letting this happen? Do something to these people. They're mean. These are bad people. And, and over and over again, Jeremiah says that. These are mean people. They're bad people. They're rebelling against, covenant. They're rebelling against your covenant, God. Do something to them. So he does that. Called confessions. I'd call them complaints or or whatever. So that this is the first one. So it's a whole litany of them. Jeremiah 10 through 20. We're going to look at one of them. And it's in Jeremiah 12. So, so that's a little bit of the background. That's what Jeremiah's doing. People are treating him awfully. I'll say more about what they're saying to him and about him and doing to him, wanting to do to him in a second. So, you know, what's bothering him? What's bothering Jeremiah? Let's look at our text. You got your Bible? Now, what I want you to do, I didn't read the last part of Jeremiah 11. I think actually I put that on the back of the bulletin as part of our text today, but I didn't want to read it yet because I want, I, want, I want you to see it here after you've already read the, kind of the meat of the complaint in chapter 12. And, and if you've got your Bible, go, go back to chapter 11 and look at verse 18. Okay, verse 18, and look what Jeremiah says. The Lord made it known to me and I knew that you, then you showed me their deeds. Now, I like the way some other translations put it. I think the NIV particularly puts this a little bit more, uh, puts it more clearly. But what, what the NIV says here is, the Lord knew their plot and made it known to me, or something like that. If you're reading from a different translation, you may have something like that. But basically what Jeremiah says here is, these people had this plot. God, you knew about it, and you told me about it. And that's what he's saying here. The Lord made it known to me, known their plot. He, he knew their plot, and he told me about it. Look at verse 19. But I, we want to figure out what the plot is. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I didn't know it was against me. They devised schemes saying, let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living that his name be remembered no more. That tells you a little bit about what this plot was. He says, I was like a lamb led to the slaughter. I was innocent. I didn't know what was going on. They were saying this stuff about me. 
And he says, I didn't know it was about me, verse 19. They had these schemes going, and this is what they were saying. Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living. You can read kind of between the lines what they're, what they're saying here. Let's kill the guy. Let's kill him. Let's murder him that his name be remembered no more. And it's even stronger than that. Let, let, let's, uh, let's destroy the tree with its fruit that his name be remembered no more. Let's kill him before he has kids so that his name is cut off and so you know his kids don't carry on this sort of garbage that he's been spewing. This is strong language here. Let's kill Jeremiah. Let's kill him. And then Jeremiah says this, verse 20, But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you have I committed my cause. Now, again, just a word or two more about what's going on here. If you look at the end of the chapter, verse 23, God says, I will bring disaster upon the men of Anathoth, the year of their punishment. So God says to Jeremiah, I'm going to punish these people. But something else I wanted you to see here that you may not know if you haven't read this whole book lately closely, Anathoth is Jeremiah's hometown, okay? These are his people. And if you look in Jeremiah 12, verse 6, even your brothers and the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. All right, so let me summarize. What's Jeremiah upset about? His hometown had turned against him. His own family in his hometown had turned against him. And they had come up with a plot that said they want to murder him. It's bad enough when the people you're preaching to, maybe, week in, week out, have turned against you. But it's even a little bit worse when they're from your own hometown. These are the people who've known you since you were a kid. They've known you your whole life, you know. Anathoth wasn't a big place. They knew Jeremiah. They'd, I mean, they, they knew him since he was a kid. And it's even worse than that when they're your own kin, your own blood. Jeremiah had been, it wasn't just Judah that had turned against him. It was his own hometown, not just his hometown. It was his own people, his own family, his, his, his siblings, his, his immediate family. They were saying, all right, we've got to put an end to this guy. We've got to kill Jeremiah. And then, that, you know, that's why he cries out and he says, Lord, take vengeance on them. I, I think it's important to, to read this in the right way. This is more than just Jeremiah whining like a baby and saying, oh, you know, punish the mean people. He's using covenant language here. He, he's saying, they have not kept the covenant. And Lord, you know what you said in your word about people who didn't keep the covenant, what you would do in those cases. All Jeremiah is saying to God is, Lord, keep your word. Do what you said you would do when people don't keep the covenant. That's what he's saying. And so in our text in Jeremiah 12, I mean, just, just quickly, go walk through that with me for a second. And then we're going to think about what this means to us today. But Jeremiah 12, verse 1, why does the way of the wicked prosper? You say you're going to punish them. I don't see anything happening. Jeremiah's language is pretty frank and, and honest here. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? I don't, I don't see anything happening. Covenant, the, the law said, Deuteronomy said, if you don't keep a covenant, then all these things, bad things are going to happen. You're going to, you're going to punish them, Lord, but I don't see anything happening at all. In fact, not only do I not see bad things happening to them, I see good things happening to them. He says, verse 2, you plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You're near in their mouth and far from their heart. This is, this, is, this is Bible language for Jeremiah saying, Lord, not only are you not punishing them, but you, you are actually 
pouring down blessings on them. You are. He uses language here that suggests he's not saying, Lord, you're letting good things happen to them. That's one way of putting it. <coughs> What's he saying? Not, Lord, you're letting good things happen to them. Lord, you're causing good things to happen to them. You're actively blessing these wicked people. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. You're near in their mouth. They talk about you a lot, but they don't care about you. You're not in their heart. Lord, you know me, he says, and I am asking you to keep your word. Do what you said you would do. Now look at God's response in verses 5 and 6. This is not the response I would want if I had offered this lament to God. And we're going to go beyond uh, Jeremiah 12 because I want you to see the, the, the answer that God gives in the context of the, of the, of the Bible, and not just these two verses. But look at what God says to Jeremiah in verses 5 and 6. Verse 5, he says, If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? Do you get that? That's, I mean, it's a little bit symbolic here, but I mean, you, you can read that pretty well. Some of the prophets are really hard to read. You don't know what in the world they're talking about, but I get that. God said, Jeremiah? Jeremiah? You think this is hard? <laughs> you, you're struggling with this? Man, it's going to get worse. This is just the beginning of it, preacher. This is just the beginning of it. You think they're being mean now? Wait till what they do to you later. This is not exactly the kind of compassionate word I'd want to hear from the Lord. He says, if you race with men, that you know, you, 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 can't, you can't beat men, people, in a foot race. You're going to try and race the horses? I mean, come on. And if a safe land you're, you're trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? So, you know, the, the, the ground you're on is, is pretty safe. It's pretty flat. It's uh, open. It's habitable. How, how are you going to do when you get over there in the... the jungle-like stuff around the Jordan River. How are you going to do there? And you get, the, you get the message here. It's going to get worse. For even, he goes on, verse 6, even your brothers in the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. They are in full cry after you. Do not believe them, though they speak friendly words to you. And really, that's God's answer. Verses 7, God and following, God moves on to a different topic. But um, that's God's answer to Jeremiah here. God says, why are you letting the, the wicked prosper? And God's answer is, Jeremiah... If I, if I may paraphrase a little bit, Jeremiah, um, I'm not going to answer that for you. you. You got more to deal with. You got more to deal with. Now, I want you to do something with me. Because I think it would be wrong, since we've got the whole Bible, for us to say that's God's only answer. That, and some of you may be struggling this morning. Somebody's hurt you and you've, you've thought, Man, God, why aren't you letting these people get away with it? Or, or you're looking at stuff going on in the world and, and the wickedness that's... It's in every corner of, of our globe, you know, every part of the globe. And you think, God's not doing anything about it. God's just letting this stuff happen. He's blessing people who are awful. And, and, and God's only answer is, hey, deal with it. That's not God's only answer. Look at Psalm 37, please. Would you do that with me for a minute? Psalm 37. Because I want you to hear, I want you to hear how God deals with this in other, in other places. Psalm, Psalm 37, okay, so this, we're not going to read the whole thing. It's 40 verses long. I'm going to point out just two or three of them to you. But I want you to read this. This is a Psalm of David, and David is wrestling with the same thing Jeremiah would hundreds of years uh, later. Jeremiah, or uh, Psalm 37, this is David. Fret not yourself. Verse 1, fret not yourself because of evildoers. 
Be not envious of wrongdoers. So don't stress out over this. They will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good and dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And he goes on and he talks about the wicked and, and on, on beyond that. But, but I, I love reading this. I, just, I read across this recently in, in, in looking at how God responds to this thing we struggle with. In Psalm 37 is God's fuller answer to this thing. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do good things happen to bad people? God's answer to Jeremiah at, at that particular moment in time is, Jeremiah, I'm not going to answer that for you right now. You're going to have other things to deal with, and you need to make sure that you're ready for what lies ahead of you. But in Psalm 37, God gives a, a fuller treatment of this. And I want to point out just a couple of things for you and me as we think about We've got this, this feeling within us. We like for evil to be punished. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's the first thing I want you to notice here. Just biblically speaking, Jeremiah and the Psalms, particularly the Psalms, they validate this desire in you and me. So don't answer this out loud, but answer it in your heart. Do you remember a time in your heart, in your life, when in your heart you really, really wanted somebody to be punished? I mean, it could be something. It could be something way out there, like you know, acts of terrorism in the Middle East or in Europe or in our own country, ISIS, stuff going on in, in different parts of Africa with radical terrorism, and, and you see that happening, and you say, Man, "Lord, you need to bring these people to justice. This is this is not right." So, so it could be something kind of distant like that, where you've wanted evildoers to be punished. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think that reflects, it reflects a sense in which we are created in God's image because God is a God of justice, right? And God also, in His infinite nature, He will not forever tolerate wickedness and rebellion and evil, right? God is a just God. And so to the extent that we want justice to prevail, that's a God thing. There's nothing wrong with that for us to want evil to get evil's just desserts, so to speak. Right? So there's nothing wrong with that. But, but it could be a little bit closer than that. It could be something that happened to you. Again, just between you and, you and the Lord. Do you remember a time when that happened? Somebody hurt you badly? You wanted to get them back? Could be some some something that happened to to one of your kids. Somebody bullied your kid at school. You want that person to be brought to justice. Want the person to be punished. Somebody hurt somebody that that you that you love. Just uh, there's this book that came out last year called All the Gallant Men. You may have seen it, written by one of the when, at the time that he wrote it, 2016. He was one of only six survivors 
who were on the USS Arizona at Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1941. There were only six, not that there were only six survived it, but only six who were still living in 2016. He was one of, one of the six, and he wrote this book. It's an interesting take, you know, as, as, as being on the Arizona when, when it was attacked on that, on that day. And, and it's interesting to hear his, his take on it, but as it comes to the end of it, he's wrestling with this idea. He, he is a, a follower of Christ, and he's, and he's really struggling in his, in his late years with, I could tell that he, he felt this need, he, fe he felt this obligation to forgive, but he didn't feel it. He didn't want to. And he, and he admits that. He admits that. Because he, he, he tells about when he was on that ship and he saw the, uh, the planes flying by and he saw a pilot who looked down at him, at the people he was with, and, and kind of smirked and laughed at what was going on. And he ended up being burned over a big part of his body. He spent months in the hospital and all that. But it's, just, it's interesting to read that because this... I mean, that would be tough. I found myself a little bit at the end of this. I'm like, man, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. That's easy for me to say, isn't it? I wasn't on the, I wasn't on the boat. There's this tendency in us to want sin to be punished, to, to want evildoers to come to justice, for, for sometimes for forgiveness not to occur. Some of that is right, but probably not all of it. But it's natural for us to want sin to be punished. All right, And I think, I think we see that. Now here's something I think that you need to be aware of. God, God knows about evil. He knows about it on levels that you and I can't even fathom. He knows about it. He knows so much more about it than we do, right? I mean, God knows about sin. He's aware of it. And sometimes God responds quickly and demonstrably. You've seen it happen. Sometimes people who commit evil, they get exactly what they deserve and they get it quickly. And sometimes we sit back and we think, man, that's the way it's supposed to happen. I love it when that happens. I love it when, I love it when people, you know, they know what they ought to do, they do the wrong thing, and they get punished. Boom, boom, boom. That's the way it, that's the way it happens. Sometimes it happens that way, doesn't it? So you see people brought to justice. There's this sense of, I don't know, a fair play involved in us, and we, and we like that. But, but you know, and that's the point of Jeremiah's thing here. A lot of times, in fact, I would add to this, I, I think probably most of the time, most of the time it doesn't happen. Most of the time God waits indefinitely according to our perspective you know according to some timetable timetable to which we're not privy uh, god god doesn't do anything at least from our vantage point we don't see him doing anything we, we 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 see the evil and we see evil people get away with it we see evil and we see evil people blessed and prospering and we think well, what are you doing God is aware of it. Sometimes he acts quickly and demonstrably, but many times, maybe most of the time, God does not act from our perspective, and he's, he's operating according to some timetable that you and I don't know about. We don't understand what God's doing. And if you read the rest of the book of Jeremiah, God does give a more complete answer to Jeremiah. God, God in fact, says to Jeremiah, look, Jeremiah, these people are going to be punished. They're going to be punished. I'm raising up an army from the north. I'm going to send them down, and the entire nation is going to be punished. It's going to happen. But from Jeremiah's little limited, finite vantage point, he's thinking, it doesn't seem like anything's happening at all. And I think that's probably one of the things that you and I wrestle with. We, we see, we're so limited, we're so finite. We've got this, this uh, you know, tunnel vision. I see what's happening right now, at this moment, and I don't understand why God's not doing anything. And God is doing something. We just, maybe we can't see it, or God's going to work according to his own timetable, right? That's very important 
for us to see. Now, think about this too. And this really comes from Psalm 37. I hope you picked up on this. What do we do? You hurting right now, maybe? Somebody hurt you, and this person's gotten away with it, it seems? You look around at the world, it seems like evil's prevailing. God's not doing anything at all, it seems. What do you do? What do you do? I think Psalm 37 helps us here. Because as, as we were reading that, I hope, a moment ago, I hope that you felt what David was saying here. Because he says multiple times, the ESV translates it like this, fret not yourself. Don't fret because of evildoers. Don't fret. That's easy to say, a little bit harder to do, isn't it? Don't fret. Don't fret. Don't worry about it. But he says that several times. How in the world do I do that, David? How do I not fret? Evil's winning, good's losing, God's not doing what I feel like God ought to do. And David goes on and he says, here's how you don't fret. Trust in the Lord, verse 3, and do good. How do we respond to stuff like what happened in Charlottesville? How do, how do you and I respond to that? Do good. That's how, that's how we respond to evil in the world. We do good. We trust in the Lord, but we don't just sit here. Oh, well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. We do good. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of wickedness out there, but let's let it be said of us that we do good. That we are people who don't just sit here. We get out there and show the world that not everybody's like that. That there are people who've been called by Jesus to spread love and compassion and goodwill. We do good. He goes on and he says, delight yourself in the Lord, verse 4. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, verse 5. And He will act. He will act. I know that God will act. You know that He will act. He doesn't always act in the way I want Him to on the day that I want Him to. But God is consistently acting according to what He knows to be best in the day, on the day that He knows to be the right day. He will act. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He goes on to verse 7 of Psalm 37 and He says, Be still before the Lord and wait, wait patiently for Him. Don't fret over evildoers. What do I need to do, David? Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do you see this mix here? It seems like he's telling us to do a couple of different things. He's saying, be still and wait patiently for the Lord and do good. There's some of that involved, some of both of that, right? In a certain extent, we just got to wait. We can't fix everything going on in the world. We can't bring all, make all wrongs right. We can't bring everybody to justice. It's not our job anyway. What do we do? We wait on God. And while we're waiting on God, we do good in the world. We do good. That's what the psalmist is saying here. I love his thing in verse 8. Maybe, maybe you need to hear this. Maybe all of us do. Refrain from anger, verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. And then listen to this. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. It tends only to evil. What, what happens when we get caught up in 
evil and wickedness and all this going on in the world, what happens with us? It, it, one thing that can happen is it can cause us, cause us to be angry and bitter. And what David says here is, you've got to be careful with that. It tends only to evil. It tends only to evil. And then he tells us this, for the evildoers shall be cut off. They shall be cut off. God's going God's to act. God, God does not allow rebellion to go unpunished indefinitely. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Now I want to close with this. I think this is where we ought to go with any discussion like this. Really any lesson from scripture we ought to find our way to Jesus Christ, about whom all of Scripture was written and in whom He lives. There's a difference. Hear this, all right, and then we'll be done. There's a difference in the way Jeremiah responds to evil and the way Jesus responds. And I think there's some significance there. And when we think about what's going on in the world, we, we think about it not just through the eyes of Jeremiah, we think through it through the eyes of, of the whole canon of Scripture, through, through Jesus Christ and how He responds. And it's fascinating to me that Jeremiah's response to the people who were mistreating him was one of, God, you see this, right? Do what you said you were going to do. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with our wanting evil to be punished according to what the Scriptures teach. But at the same time, Jesus responded differently. Notice the contrast here. Jeremiah had people who were wanting to hurt him and he cried out for vengeance. Jesus had people who were hurting him and he cried out for what? He cried out for forgiveness. Jeremiah said, Father, punish them. Because they know what they're doing. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. You see, you see how scripture goes here? In the, in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, I, I would submit to you, yeah, it's, it's inspired of God, every, every word. And we've got, we've, got idea, we've got examples of their, uh, how to respond to evil. And I think you, and you look at Jeremiah and you look at many of the Psalms and you leave Jesus out of it, you don't get the full picture because Jesus responded differently. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. What should be our response to people who are committing evil in the world? It should not be merely, God, send down the rain of vengeance on these people. I've seen some words lately on social media about North Korea. I don't know how to pronounce the capital city of North Korea. But let's turn it into a parking lot. I've seen that in a few different places. Really? Is that, is that our response as Christians? A parking lot? You see, our response to evil whether it's in North Korea or in America or in my backyard or in your life or my life, is not to be filled with thoughts of vengeance and, and wanting every sin to be punished. Because, see, the thing is, 
we don't really want that to be practiced consistently because there's not a single one of us in this room who wants all of our sins to be punished in the ways they ought to be punished. We want mercy. So I think what we read here in Jeremiah, we interpret it through the example of Jesus, and that is we want people to, be, we want people to come to Jesus Christ. We want people to be forgiven. That's our ultimate prayer. God is going to do the right thing, and I'm not suggesting to you that He won't punish. He will. God is very clear on that throughout Scripture, that people who persist in rebellion and wickedness and do not repent of that and do not come to submit to Him as Lord will receive the recompense for what they've done. But we as Christians, we follow a Jesus who said, Father, forgive them, a Jesus who turned the other cheek, a Jesus who did not return reviling for the reviling that he was being given. If you're not a Christian today, let me urge you, let me urge you to understand Jesus Christ is a forgiving and loving and gracious God. And he wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. He wants to wash all of your sins away. He wants you to come to him in repentance. He wants you to confess him as your Lord and Savior. He wants you to put him on in baptism washing your sins away by His blood. He wants that, and He will forgive. God is a gracious and loving God. And we invite you today to come to Him. He will forgive. If you're struggling with bitterness or wrath or anger because of things that have happened in your life or in the lives of people you love or in the world or whatever it is, let me invite you. Again, draw, draw near to Jesus. Draw closer to Him. If you need prayers, if you need the encouragement of your church family here. We're here to help you. Let's stand and let's sing this song if you need to respond.